Welcome to Real Testaments. The message is shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Okay, we started a journey three weeks ago on our first series for the year, which a year that has been christened our year of productivity and so we thought it wise to start our teaching series on elements of productivity and we started with the enemy called average because you must have a background desire to be better than where you are and better than who you are to do more than what you are doing for you to begin to talk about or contemplate productivity because there are so many ways you can define productivity and productivity can be achieving results it can be fruitfulness it can be um, even doing more with the same or less it can be effectiveness praise God and but for you to begin that journey of trying to do better or have more and a better result you have to first of all not be satisfied with where you are and so we looked at the enemy called average because um, somebody said that the, the worst enemy to great is good. You know, because many times we, we get so carried away with our comfort zone and we are not pushed to do better. And so we get into complacency. We get into what is called mediocrity, where we celebrate little things. Everybody is there. It's a comfort zone. You know, you know, so for you to move from that to a point of more productivity, you have to be unsatisfied or dissatisfied with where you are. So we looked at uh, the enemy called average and all of that. And then last week, we took it a step further and we looked at planning for productivity because really you have to plan, you have to strategize, you have to have a game plan, you have to have a blueprint. You have to know and, 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 and understand where you were going to, why you were going to, where you were going to, those very important information. You must start with the brain power. It's in the brain first. That's where you sweat the brain first. The more you sweat the brain, the less you sweat your hands. I will repeat it. The more you sweat the brain, the less you will sweat your hands. When your brain is sharp, your hands do not need to do too much. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so today we'll take it another step further. And then, of course, we'll close next week. And so today, um, if you broke productivity into four phases, I have already described the first phase. The first phase, call it the desire phase, call it the decision phase. The, the phase where you agree that I need to produce more, I need to be more productive, I need to be more successful. Okay? So if you, that's the stage where you agree that things need to change. And everybody who wants to be productive starts from that phase. And then from there, you move to the second phase. Don't forget what I said. If you broke productivity into four phases, decision, desire, whatever, and then you move to the second phase where you then begin to do the brain work. You do the planning. You do the strategizing. 
you ask yourself the important questions. You ask yourself, what are my alternatives? Why do I want to do what I want to do? What will it do for me? How can I achieve it? If I have problems, what kind of problems am I likely to encounter? When I encounter these problems, what alternatives can I fall back on? How can I fund my dream or my, my project? You know, these are all the questions that come into the planning. And the quality of the planning eventually will affect the result. Okay, so that's the second phase. Then you jump a third phase and move into the last phase, which you can call the results, the productivity, the success, the things that we all see and celebrate. Now, if you were in an examination and somebody asked you, what stage did I just jump? What will you call it? Execution. You guys are bright, and that's my topic for today. So today we'll be talking about the power of execution. I want us to look at our favorite scripture that I've been sharing on Genesis chapter 39. I've been looking at one guy called Joseph. Joseph is a prototype of the kind of man that the modern-day Christian envies. You know, one night Joseph was sleeping in jail, and he woke up in jail that morning. By the close of business that same evening, he was a prime minister, second to Pharaoh in the whole of Egypt. Who doesn't want that kind of breakthrough? <laughs> you know, so I like to look at Joseph. I like to look at Joseph a lot. So um, let's go back again to Genesis chapter 39. And um, I just want to pick a few verses for us to see, you know, that the things that Joseph experienced did not come by chance. Some people thought it was chance. Some people thought or think it was luck. You know, but look at what he says in verse, in verse 2. He says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. The word prosperous there can also be, um, what's the word now, replaced with productivity. Am I right? He was a productive person. He was a successful person. You say, I haven't done any damage to the meaning. Okay, so you can easily use prosperous to replace uh, productivity or productive or success. So he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So where he was did not determine the outcome. Look at the next verse. He said, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. How did the master know that the Lord was with him? Did the master see God with Joseph? Hello? The master was very spiritual, so he was seeing God, uh, a big angel with wings, following Joseph everywhere. No, no. there is a reason he, saw, he thought that God was with Joseph. And that the Lord made all that who did. Joseph. Who did the deed? Joseph. Good. He said, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So the, the, the master who had no relationship with God saw that God was with Joseph because he saw that everything Joseph did prospered. But the point is Joseph did the deed. The deed speaks about the execution. So if prosperity did not hang in the air. Prosperity, the, the productivity did not happen in the absence of action. Joseph did something which the master saw the result of it and knew that God is with him. So it is the result many a times that talks about the things that cannot be seen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So he said, and that the Lord made all that he did 
to prosper in his hands. If you move to verse 23, you will still see something again about Joseph in that light. And they keep, now he's in prison. And the Bible says the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. You see again, the jailer still sees God with Joseph. How did he know that? And that which he did, that which he did what? He did. The Lord made it to prosper. God cannot prosper anybody who is not deeding anything. If there is no deed, there is no prosperity. He says, I will prosper the labors of your hands. Let me show you a scripture in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. If you read from verse 1, it tells you that blessed is the man that walketh not in the way of sinners, standeth in the seated in the seat of the scornful and all of that, but his delight in the Lord of the Lord, and his Lord does he meditate day and night. He says, It shall be like a liver planted by the riverside. Look at verse 3, which is where I'm, I'm going to. He said, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he what? Do it. That's execution. Whatever he do it. Whatever he do it. There is no way you will plot the graph or write the equation of productivity and remove execution and have results. In the equation of productivity, execution is the most important variable. In fact, I make bold to say it should be a constant. You can never have productivity when there is no execution. Productivity is the result of how well the plans have been executed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you still in church this morning? I'll give you another scripture in James chapter 1. Verse 22 to 25. He says, but be ye doers of the word, if you like, use the word executors. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He says, for if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror, for he behold himself, and goeth his way, and straight away he forgets what manner of man he was. 25, but whoso looks into the perfect Lord of liberty and continueth daring, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. The doer of the work. He said, this man shall be blessed in his doing. In his deed. You are not a candidate of productivity except you execute. You have no business discussing results except you did something. Until you execute, you are not permitted to be in the gathering of people who are discussing results. No matter how fantastic your dream is, no matter how many hours you spent strategizing, because a lot of us are good at strategizing but not good at executing. And that's what tells the difference. It's not a strategy. You know, at times, you know, funny enough, it's funny for some of us working in, in, in big organizations. And then after you go for those strategy meetings, you, you know, sometimes strategy meetings take days. 
take weeks. By the time you were done, you just have a feeling like you have done it. <laughs> you have been so exhausted on the strategy, but then the execution, everybody just goes home. We have a fantastic plan, we have a fantastic strategy, but without execution, you are going nowhere. So the organization does not move, make progress because its, its strategies are superb. What makes the organization different and productive is the execution of those projects, of those strategies. Hallelujah. Execution is the link between planning and results. It is the invaluable link, unreplaceable link. You cannot jump it. No matter how much you pray, if you do not execute the plan, you have no business with the results. Hallelujah. There is always the doing part of it. No wonder when God met Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, and he was telling Joshua about the things he needed to do. God kept telling him, be strong, be of good courage, because he needed to, he was going to do something. Hallelujah. You cannot talk about success with a man who is doing nothing. And so my prayer this morning is that God will get you to the point where you will begin to take the steps that are necessary. Amen. Because your future is bright. There are so many wonderful things about you. And some of you are seated here today in your heart. There are so many big dreams and purposes. You have thought about it, you have discussed it, you have drawn out a plan. Let me ask you, have you ever seen somebody who goes to a guy and say, give me the blueprint of your house, say, oh, beautiful house, wonderful, big bed, oh. An architect can look at the drawings and can tell what kind of house it's going to look like. But you can never completely appreciate the house until it's built. You can't come to somebody who has just a blueprint of a house and say, oh, I had a wonderful night at your house yesterday. Except something is wrong with the person. Praise God. So if you really want us to celebrate that plan, if you want us to celebrate that blueprint, to appreciate it, to enjoy it, to, to use it to know that God is with you, then you have to execute it. You have to do something about it. So execution is the link between planning and what? The result. Execution is the point where the tire meets the road. You have a fantastic car. You suspend it in the air and you are revving the engine. And the tire is spinning and spinning by, by 3,000 revolutions per second. Is that car going anywhere? No way, because the tire has not touched the ground. The moment the tire touches the ground, then the car takes off. Execution is that point where the tire meets the road. Nobody can celebrate your plan except you execute it successfully. Plan is useless without execution, except you sell the plan. You can actually sell a plan. Amen? You remember when we talked about tangible and intangible resources? Plans are intangible resources. They can be converted to cash at any point. But except you did that, a plan is useless if it is not executed. A strategy is useless if it is not executed. Now, I, I, I saw... That execution is what releases the potentials in your plan. Take, for instance, a grain of corn. You have a grain of corn. You know that a grain of corn can actually feed a nation. Am I right? You don't understand that. I said a grain, a seed of corn, can actually feed a nation. With time. What do you do? You plant it. 
you have a corn plant. It comes out with a cob of maize. Perhaps that cob will have two to 300 other seeds. So one seed gives birth to like 300. Am I right? You plant that one again. It gives you 300 sticks of corn with 300 cobs. At times, some, some corn plants can give you two cobs. But let's even if everybody gives you one one. Now multiply 300 by 300. Are you seeing the geometric progression? Now that potential was in the very first seed. A forest can actually be in a seed, one seed of plant. Are you together? In Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible makes us understand that God planted the seeds that we saw. God had that seed. He was seeing a forest. He wasn't looking at a simple seed. But that potential that is in that grade of corn can only come out when you plant it. That's the execution. Praise God. All right, let's move forward. So a few other guys have said some things about execution, which I just want to bring to your, to your knowledge. Okay, by then, um, execution is carrying out a plan, an order, or course of action. It is taking an idea and actually making it happen. It's as simple as that. Execution is to, just to carry out a plan or carry out an order. It's to take an idea and actually making it happen. Okay, a few minds, smart minds, have said some things about um, execution. Steve Jobs, we all know Steve Jobs, late Steve Jobs, who founded Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world today. For this, he had to say, to me, ideas are worth nothing unless executed. They are just a multiplier. Execution is worth millions. That's what Steve Jobs said. Another guy called Richard Kovacevich said another powerful one. He said, a vision and strategy aren't enough. The long-term key to success or productivity, if you may, is what? Execution. Each day, every day. I love this other one. A good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. <laughs> a good plan violently executed now. So it is even better to execute a not-so-fantastic plan. Executing it is better than looking for a perfect plan that, that is never executed. It's like when the Bible says that a living dog is better than a dead lion. Hallelujah. You can find that in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 4. And then I love this one by my friend Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison is the guy with the most prolific patents. I think he had over 1,400 patents in his name. He was an inventor of all inventors. He invented so many things. And see what he has to say about execution. Having a vision for what you want is not enough. Vision without execution is hallucination. <laughs> that guy talked like a Nigerian. <laughs> he says hallucination. Vision without execution can become a nightmare. Hallelujah. That's Thomas Edison for you. So the first question I want to answer this morning is, why do people not execute their strategies? Why do people fail to execute their plans? At times we spend so much time with wonderful plans. I want to start this company. 
I want to run this business. I want to pursue this career. I want to chase this other qualification, or I want to get a degree, or I want to have a PhD. Goals can be anything. And then you go through the painstaking process of planning it, looking at your alternatives, how to make it happen, where the funding would come from, when to do what and what to do to be done. At every point in time, at every point in time. So you go through that, you know, because it's not everybody who actually plans their dream. Some people live their dreams at the dream level. It's just a dream. It's just a dream. They don't even bother to write it down. Some even go to their cell, okay, they write it down. They say, oh, pastor says we should write it down. They write it down and they file it off. But the Bible says, let him that read the vision do what? They don't run. They don't execute. They just file it off. They say, I have written my vision. I have written my goals. In fact, they bring it to a prayer point and say, God, take my goals. God, run with it. God, do it. And then in March, they come and take it up again and say, oh, God, how far have you gone with my goals? <laughs> God, see my dream. See my vision. Do it. Unfortunately, some of our colleagues in the ministry have made it look like that's how it works. And so they tell you to bring seed after seed. Prayer after prayer. But those seeds and those plants never go anywhere. Okay, so the question is, why is it that people have fantastic plans, fantastic goals, goals that if executed can do a lot to their lives, can better their lot, can better their families, can invariably do a tremendous transformation in their lives, but they never get it done. Number one reason why people fail to execute their plan is fear. Fear. The fear of failure is the biggest restriction that a lot of us experience. Because the first thing that hits you when you want to do something is what if it doesn't work? I can't remember who made this comment or who made this quote. He said, he that has failed at nothing is he that has tried nothing. Every man who is a celebrated success today will always tell you the many times that he failed. In fact, almost anything that we talked about was once asked. It took you 10,000 trials to develop the light bulb. Did you not feel like a failure? He said, no. I only found 10,000 ways how it doesn't work. Praise God. So, but that fear of what if it doesn't work is really what keeps a lot of us in the seat of mediocrity. It's what keeps us in the average life. We just get along. We just continue life the way it is. We are too scared to act. Because at times, to execute a plan, you need to be dislocated. At times, to execute a plan, you may need to give up some things. At times, to execute a plan means accepting more work. And, you know, in this part of the world, we have equated work with another word. They call it what? Stress. 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 But every engineer here will tell you what really stress means. <laughs> Without stress, you cannot vouch for the integrity of any material. The engineers put them through what they call the stress test. And guess what the Bible said about that? It said you will go through the fire, it won't burn you. You will go through the waters, you will not be drowned. That's an assurance that you can take risk. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. One guy followed, Sio who said something about that. He says, there is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve. The fear of failure. Winston Churchill, another very philosophical guy, he says, failure is the condiment that gives success its flavor. <laughs> so it is not the failing, but what happens after the failing. Remember when we talked about the enemy called average, we said that one of the reasons that kills people at that point is because of how they respond to failure. Some people respond to failure and they go down and never come up. Some people experience failure and they learn from it and they are better. Hallelujah. Praise God. So failure is a necessary ingredient in the journey of success. You cannot run away from failure and expect to be celebrated as successful. Everybody who is a celebrated success today will always show you a lot about their failures. If they are sincere, they will tell you. So being afraid of failing can actually keep you from executing your plans, your, your dreams, or your goals, no matter how brilliant they are. Another thing that keeps people down is a negative mindset. Bible says that a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. When your mindset is negative about a thing, there are some people that want to go for certain goals in their lives, but then they have a mindset that, ah, if I achieve this, I will be proud. Okay, it's better to be a proud success than a proud failure. Nothing is more irritating than a proud poor man. Have you seen them? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone said something. They said, it's better to try and fail than to try nothing. Even the man that has failed, well, at least we have learned that it doesn't work this way. So he's still better than the guy who has not tried anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Failing to take consistent action is another reason why dreams are not executed, why plans are not executed. Failing to take consistent action. You told yourself you're going to get that certification. You start it. You know that it was going to take you 20 hours of study every month. You start today, you postpone the next stage. You start tomorrow, you postpone it. Before you know what is happening, you get too tired, you, get, you lose steam, and then you completely abandon the project. So when you fail to take consistent action, you abandon your dream. Another thing that keeps people from executing their plan is listening to pessimistic people. I don't know, for funny reasons, many times you share ideas with some people, the first thing that comes to their mind is how it will not work. <laughs> Pessimism. Always seeing things from the negative side. Always being cynical, suspicious of every move. Say, ah, why do you think he's doing that? Somebody comes and tells the streets, the streets where he, he lives in. And someone says, ah, why do you think he's doing that? He wants to contest for election. <laughs> Maybe he's thinking of going into politics. 
cynicism, pessimism. It will not work. You are too small to do it. You can't do it. You are not enough. If you have only those kind of people around you, you are likely not to be able to achieve anything. Because pessimists never get anything done. Another reason why a lot of us do not execute our plans is because of excuses. We make excuses. And people who are very good at excuses never get anything done. Excuses are the things you tell yourself as reason for not doing what you should do. At times there are excuses, it goes as far as blaming other people. And you remember when we talked about the enemy called average, we said the average person, the, the people who live a life of average, never take responsibility for themselves. They always blame somebody else. Oh, my father did this to me. Oh, my mom did this to me. Oh, if my brother had done this or had done that, then this would have happened. And then you find out that for years, they will still keep moving around the same point in their life. They never make progress. They keep blaming other people. Maturity actually starts when a man takes responsibility for the outcome of his life. Praise God. That's what tells mature people from children. So when you are fond of, you know, because at times when you want to start a project, the first thing that comes to your mind are the things you don't, you know, it's just like you hear the perfect example or perfect excuse that people give in this environment. When, they, when you ask them, why are you not doing this? They tell you, I don't have capital. No money. The first question you will ask such a man is, you are a Christian. When God created the heavens and the earth, how much did he have? Oh, God had a billion dollars? Have you ever wondered about that? In Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, did God have money? Did he have capital? So why are you letting money and capital be your excuse? If you meet me at another atmosphere, I can tell you ways to start your business without money. But that won't be preaching. You don't understand that. That will be consulting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Another reason why we don't execute our plans is the one that everybody has as a friend. It's called procrastination. <laughs> I will do it tomorrow. <laughs> Pastor, I agree with you. It's a fantastic plan. I will do it. When are you going to do it? Tomorrow. And guess what? Tomorrow never comes. That's why you go to some of those petty shops. They say, no credit today. Come tomorrow. Then the guy sleeps by the shop. They say, ah, they say tomorrow. It's going to be free. Free beer. You know, so he's sleeping at the shop. And then he wakes up in the morning and say, ah, where's my free beer? They say, tomorrow. <laughs> Because tomorrow never comes. So procrastination is a thief of time. Procrastination kills your opportunities, steals your momentum. When you keep postponing for tomorrow what you could do today, you keep pushing away the success that you could have celebrated today. And when you live a life of procrastination, you will just realize that a dream you could have achieved five years ago, you have not even started on it. And at times, unfortunately, some dreams are time-specific. If you miss the timing, you will never get that thing done again. It's like, it's like you are a farmer and you miss the, the planting season. You already know that the harvest is going to be bleak for you. When men are celebrating their harvest, you're not going to be in that party, except as a guest. Some dreams are time-specific. 
They are for a period in your life. The Bible says it is good for a man to bear the burden in his youth. A typical example, for instance. A man waits till he's 45 or 50 or 60 to get married and start having children. So when your mates are getting calls from their children in the university, you are still dropping your own in kindergarten. And then your, your son, if your son is like mine, that comes and says, Daddy, let's play ball. <laughs> you are 60. How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? So there are some things that naturally you will just forfeit because of the time you have executed that plan. Too late. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Another reason why we don't execute our plans is because we are looking for a perfect time. Waiting for a perfect time. Unfortunately, there is never a perfect time. The universe will never all align. There is never a perfect time. Even some people see what looks like perfect time, but then they suffer what we call analysis paralysis. They analyze it so much that they become paralyzed. They can't move. So waiting for a perfect time is another reason why beautiful goals and plans and strategies are never executed. And then as I begin to wrap this up, I'll share with you some tips on executing your plan. Times will never be perfect. I love what one woman said, the Queen Esther, in Esther chapter 4, verse 16. She said, if I perish, I perish. Or die, I die. If I perish, I perish. There's never a perfect time. The time you move into it is the perfect time for that dream. Take it. Hallelujah. Okay, some tips on executing your plans. Number one, how then, you know, you know, in preparing this, I actually wanted to talk about how to execute your plan, but then I realized that every plan, every strategy's way of execution is different. The way you execute a plan of attaining higher education, for instance, is going to be different from the way you execute a plan of building a relationship or mending one that has gone bad or reviving a business. There may be a few similarities, but execution will always be different. So in order not to get us confused into that, um, so I decided to streamline on a few tips, regardless of the dream, regardless of the strategy, that if you apply, will help you at execution. Number one, break your plans into small tasks. Every work is just a series or a collation of tasks. If you can break that dream down, or that strategy, or that plan, or that goal, if you can break it down into small tasks, it becomes easier. Even in warfare, every war is a series of battles. You don't fight all the battles in a war at once. Then someone tells you, oh, there was a war for 20 days. There was a war for 20 years. But that war of 20 years are just battles after battles. Maybe two battles a day, one battle in a month. But then it took 
20 years for the whole war to be executed. So it's just a series of smaller battles. So also are your plans and your strategies. So you can break it down. Break it down. When you break it down, what it does to you psychologically, it helps you to see that you can actually execute it. So this big plan, this big project, let's say building of a house is a project. You break it into bits. What's the first thing, for instance? Get a plan, get a blueprint. So somebody draws the plan for you. You see, you have started your building. Even though nothing, no cement is on the, on the floor. Oh, get someone to supply material. Oh, get a piece of land. All of these are included in building a house. But if you keep looking at this big mansion you want to build, you may never be able to start. But when you break it down into those little, 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 little snippets, then as you achieve them one after the other and you are consistent, before long, the entire project would have been completed. But if you are waiting, See, when all the roads are supplied, all the sand are supplied, all the approvals, everything, you may never be able to start because there's hardly any perfect time like that. When you, you look at your account and all the, even if you, even if you had all the money, that's what it's called Parkinson's Law. It says as revenue increases, so also does what? Expense. And it's in the Bible. It says as wealth increases, so does the amount of them that consume it. That's why savings is difficult for some of you. You are waiting to when there is a surplus. You will never be able to save. Amen? That's why tightening is a struggle for some of you. That's why you are catching revelation. How tightening is not compulsory. No problem. Receiving also is not compulsory. <laughs> Getting blessed by God is not compulsory. Is it compulsory? No. Praise God. So you don't need to wait to have all the money to start. You say, oh, when I start earning 100,000, if you can't save now that you're earning 50, I bet you when it's 100, that's when you will not start hearing, ah, my level has what? Changed. And so also with your consumption. As wealth increases, so also does expenses. It's just natural. That's when you now realize that where you are living is not suitable for your status. Uh-huh. Have you heard those things before? You now want to move into a new neighborhood. What has happened to the new neighborhood? Your expense level increases. And not only when you take the house in that new neighborhood, you pay more rent. The school the children will attend will also ask for more fees. Most likely, you'll be farther from the market, so you spend more on food. It just keeps going. This is pure economic sense, I'm telling you. That's how it works. OK, so when, when you break your plans into small tasks, they become easier to tackle and easier to attain. They will not be so frightening anymore. No matter how big a project is, break it into small parts. And they will, it won't be as difficult as it looks from the beginning. And number two, number two tip on executing your plan, pick the most difficult task and do them first. Brian Tracy wrote a book called Eat that frog. <laughs> and the writer said in that book that one principle in the eating of frog is that you eat the biggest frogs first. The frog is a task, difficult task. You know, if you said that in China, for instance, it will not make much sense. 
because frogs are a delicacy. And so, people here would not want to eat frog. It's irritating, it's annoying. That's also how task is. Some tasks are like that. But since you must eat the frog, <laughs> it's like the local one, they say, if you must eat mosquito, then eat the big one. <laughs> so that when you say, ah, I ate mosquito, you know, okay, at least I ate the one that has eggs. <laughs> so he said, choose the big frog first. The task that is the hardest to do, tackle it first. When you have tackled that one that is the hardest, you will find out that you have momentum to do the others. Makes a lot of sense. Hallelujah. Another thing you can do is to focus. Focus is important because distraction is irregular in life. You will always see things to distract you. Some are pleasurable. Some are even incidents that, are, that look beyond your control. It's the time you want to start that project. That's when your brother has start calling you that they're pushing me away from my house. He needs house rent. That's when things will happen. So things will always happen around you to make you to shift your mind away from that goal that you want to attain. But don't forget the reason you want to attain that goal because it will add value to your life and your environment. But when you do not focus, you allow yourself to be distracted. It's like somebody who is running a race and then flies are pecking on you and mosquitoes are biting you. And instead of you to focus on the race, you are focused on killing mosquitoes and flies. Are you ever going to run fast? No way. I heard a story one time a tortoise and a rabbit, what we call rabbit, the white we call hare, were going to have a competition. They were going to run a race. And, you know, we know the tortoise to be a very cunning animal, smart and all of that. And so the tortoise knew that it stood no chance to compete against the hare on a race. Because the tortoise is very slow, while the hare is very fast. So what did he do? He consulted with some of his friends and said, you know what, on every path that the hare will pass on this journey that we are going to be on, this race, just put cucumber, carrot, fresh leaf, cabbage. So they just distributed it in different, different parts. And then, of course, the hare, when he saw carrots, ah, pew! I can imagine how cartoonists would do it. You just match break, pew! <laughs> Then he begins to feast on the carrots. He finished that one, he said, ah, let me rest a little bit. Don't when you eat, you want to rest. Uh, is it not tortoise? When will tortoise ever reach here? <laughs> Do you know at the end of the day, the tortoise won the race? Because the hare was what? Distracted. Regardless of his potential. Regardless of his potential in race. He lost because he was distracted. Distraction can come in form of challenges. Distractions can come in form of needs. Things that are demanding attention. So that's why you need to look at your goals. Instead of you to have 300 goals, just take two, three. Most important and focus on them. Focus on them. Which one thing, like when Pastor Yu was teaching us the other day on setting goals and, and attaining it, he said, which one goal will you do that can, that can affect your life the most. Choose that one and focus on it. In fact, he taught us, he said, do it first. That most important goal, don't push it to September. Start it in the first quarter. 
the one that is the most important. Because you must stay focused. Stay focused. And one way to stay focused is to keep the end in mind. One of the principles of highly effective people. Keep the end in mind. Why, why do I want more productivity? Why do I want more results? Why do I want to do this project? Keep the end in mind. The more you look at it, the more it motivates you to keep going, even in the face of distractions. It helps you to prioritize, know what to, know what to allocate your time and resources to. Not everything. Hallelujah. Are we still together? Number four, you must know when to ask for help. Nobody is an island. The more help you get, the faster to attain your goals. Don't be too proud or too self-conceited to know that you need help. Help can be advice. Help can be counsel. Help can be just a helping hand. And everybody needs it at one point or the other in his life. And so also are your goals. Praise God. So know when to ask for help. And number five, learn from others who have done it. It's the shortest cut to success. Learn from others who have done it. When you learn from people who have done what you are trying to do, you overcome the problems they overcame without going into it. Those failures that you are scared of, you will learn from their failures. Because at times some failures can be expensive. They have financial implications. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So learn from others who have done what you are trying to do. Always keep motivating yourself. Keep the end in mind. There is a reason why you want to achieve this goal. There is a reason why you want to attain this height. There is a reason why you want to be more productive. That reason should always be in front of you as a motivator to know that when you begin a thing, you can finish it. There is a future ahead of you and it is bright. There is a tomorrow in front of you and it is beautiful. It is glamorous, it is wonderful. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you that you will walk in the fullness of it. I pray for you that you will not be distracted. I pray for you that you will not lose momentum. I pray for you that you will not lose inner passion. What it takes for winners to emerge, that you would go through the process successfully, executing your plans, not allowing procrastination, pessimism, fear of failure, fear of risk to affect you. May you rise above the things that have held you back in many years. And may you see God as a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. May your dreams come to pass and may your goals be attained. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, visit our website, www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real. Influence your world.